You're listening to Once, episode 151, Snowdrift, and There's No Place Like Home, highlights. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Aaron. I'm Hunter. And I'm Jacqueline. We've got the whole gang here to join us as we discuss this finale. And don't worry, we're going to try not to make this a five-hour-long episode of the podcast. We will succeed. Even though we could. (laughs) And the way that we're going to do that is going to be a bit different from the way that we normally discuss episodes, because we have not only two episodes to discuss, but also the finale of season three. So there would be a lot to talk about if we tried to break it down scene by scene. But then again, there's not much to talk about if we break it down scene by scene. It's kind of both things. It's kind of like the past (laughs) and the present. You change one, you affect the other. We're going to do something a bit different, and that is that each of us have our five things that we're going to talk about. There will be some overlap, but we're going to work through these things. So these are each of the most important things that stand out to us. As we have the hiatus coming up, we'll have the opportunity to explore some of these other things and other stuff as well in much more detail, and your feedback will be welcome too. But you'll be able to comment on these topics that we share with you by going to the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 151. So for a season three finale, this was practically a a movie, really. Yes, it was. It was practically a movie. Although on our rewatch, we saw where the episode break was, which was interesting. Did you guys not get that live? No, live. They just went, they showed all the credits at the beginning and just showed the whole thing right on through. Mm-hmm. Oh, we had a second opening title in Canada. Well, we did. We had one in Ohio. We had an opening title. Yeah, we had the opening title. And the one that we saw during the live broadcast was actually different than what downloaded through iTunes. Interesting. The one on iTunes is the exact same one for both episodes. But in the live broadcast, at least here in the U.S., what we got to see was a quick title screen. And it was where the letters came in very different from the way they've normally come in. Instead of like the side scroll, this was where the letters came from like behind the camera. And it it was really cool how they did that. And I was hoping to see it again, Mm. but it's not in the download version that we got that we bought from iTunes. Maybe it will be on the DVDs or Blu-rays, but maybe not. But it was really cool. And as the chat room is calling this, once back to the future edition. <laughs> yeah, it was so many things. That's probably the closest. Jeremy, how about you start us out? Uh, let's let's talk about Rumbell, <laughs> if I may use the ship name and the wedding. I'm sure that's not only on my list. It was a beautiful wedding. It was. Although, why did they not invite anybody? yeah right (laughs) at least his grandson since his son can't be there yeah Yeah. there should have been some more people there yeah it it was beautiful and creepy all at the same time it was kind of nice from a continuity aspect to have her father appear again i feel like they got the most sort of the most biggest cast reunion they've ever had in these two episodes oh yeah it's been yeah for sure but uh, especially on the rewatch there was something so creepy about him 
sort of marching his daughter, in a sense, out into the forest next to that stupid, creepy well where all the bad stuff happens to give her away to the Dark One, who's been lying Mm -hmm. through his teeth. I don't know. And yet it was beautiful. And and she looked wonderful. And their vows were so touching. But I have such mixed feelings about it. And see, I was going to say, I know that Rumpelstiltskin is like 300 years old, but Belle doesn't need to look like she is. What? (laughs) I wasn't a fan of her outfit. Oh, my. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was perfect for her. I liked (laughs) her shoes. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even notice her shoes. (laughs) They were the black and white ones. Oh, I saw them. (laughs) And we know there is no true magic or most powerful magic after true love, except for where and it must be protected exactly one of the things i thought was really cool with the uh, vows was while both bell and rumple were speaking and giving their vows they had this montage going on of other scenes happening showing us some of the same things that they were talking about like when rumple was talking about you brought light to my darkness it was showing regina and Robin. And Robin brought yeah. light to her darkness and helped her change. When it was talking about um, not believing in love itself and building up a wall, it showed Hook and Emma. And Emma had stopped believing in love because she had been hurt by it and she had built up a wall. And when it was talking about, I've spent my life finding you, it showed Charming and Snow right. and Baby Neil. Which was... So perfect. I haven't spent my life losing you. I've spent my life finding you. Because mm-hmm. that's pretty much uh, that's what their lives tend to feel like sometimes. But then when they start talking about, I saw the man behind the monster, that's when it shows Rumple hiding his dagger. No, you didn't, Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I like it up to a point. Everything she said about, aren't we all flawed, all that stuff. But I love you for it. Uh, mm, I would say in spite of it would be better. It's uh, especially being him. There are all kinds of different analogies you could make and it might be a little extreme, but maybe a woman who's, I don't know, involved with a pathological liar, um, which I guess is kind of what she is or, you know, in a more relatable sense maybe a man who's an alcoholic or in some way possibly abusive you would never find it charming and sweet if he kept doing these things and she was like oh i'm gonna marry you anyway we're all flawed and i love you because of your flaws no i don't know there's something so off about this still well it's off because we know right like she doesn't know that he's kind of reverted back to that And so he has made such a redemptive gesture by giving her the dagger that is fake, but she doesn't know that. Right. They, I I took it as though they were trying to say, but it's okay. He'll always be doing something on the side. And she just, she just loves that part of him too. She doesn't even love him in spite of it. She just loves that too. And if she ever finds out that he's hurt her again and manipulated her and lied to her, it's okay. Cause that's, she loves the darkness too. Which makes absolutely no sense. But isn't that who she fell in love with? She fell in love with the Dark One. The monster underneath the darkness. Do you think that monster will come back out? Because their relationship is now, well, not based on a lie, but 
some of this trust is based on a lie. I, and yeah. I'm, I'm saying their relationship as a whole isn't based on a lie. Correct. But uh, so it makes me wonder if maybe in season four, we're going to see him revert to the monster or something will happen to really test their relationship when Bell discovers what he's been doing. Well, I think this is the test. I don't know if he's going to revert because a lot of people are making the argument that killing Zelina was like the final job. It was the final thing he had to do because of Neil. And now that Zelina is dead, Rumble might truly try to be on a good path, but he's just going to keep this secret from Belle. And of course, all secrets are eventually going to come out. So I think season four is going to be Belle learning what Rumple has done. And I say this as someone who has been a die-hard Rumbell shipper from the episode Skin Deep. She better leave. <laughs> she no. better walk away. She better walk away, and he better fight like heck to get her back. But she cannot just stand there and say... No, no, it's okay. I love the darkness anyway. No, mm -hmm. he killed a person. He killed a person who had all their powers removed, who was weak and defenseless. And she even says in the beginning of Snowdrifts, I would have curbed his homicidal tendencies. So she's not going to approve of killing Zelina. And this isn't just a let's talk it out kind of moment. She better pack her bags and get out. And then he can fight for her. Right. Because and truly change. Crimes like that against other people, or we could call them sins or whatever, have consequences. You, mm -hmm. you know, a guy can't just uh, commit adultery and go to his wife and say, hey, I did this terrible thing against you. I'm sorry. And everything be okay after that. There's got to be a healing process, a true repentance. There, there are consequences that come from stuff like that. It's not just like, oh, that's okay. It, it's nothing. No, it's something big. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be cool to see Rumpel fight for Bell because he hasn't really gone all out pursued her romantically. No, he hasn't. There was the kind of thing with Lacey, but he wasn't really trying that hard. He didn't really know what he was doing. <laughs> That's true. He was even, we may have talked about it before, but he was kind of just standing in his shop doing something when bell came to find him with the dagger in the first place it's like you weren't out why why didn't you guys meet in the street sort of running toward each other he's just mm -hmm. going about his business and she comes and finds him i don't know he's weird <laughs> <laughs> one of the things i want to talk about is uh, maid marion and her implications for this whole story because she was supposed to have died and now that she's come to the present, we see how this looks like it could affect things. And a couple of things about hers, she didn't actually help Snow. She just knew where Snow was hiding. And Robin and Snow hadn't met until after the season three mid-season premiere. Because that's when Robin and Snow met each other. And Robin said, our posters, our wanted posters, uh, were side by side. And so there were some hints that they'd never met before. So they've never helped each other. But Marion knew where Snow was. So that was her crime. And her personality really seems that of sacrificing herself for the sake of others. So keep that in mind. And I'm thinking that what could happen in this is, yes, we're going to see some struggles here and 
uh, how Regina will react to that. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But I think one thing that could happen is the timeline might correct itself. Something bad will happen. And Marion may willingly sacrifice herself, hmm. recognizing I'm not supposed to be here. I don't fit in this timeline. I need to sacrifice. And it wouldn't be just something like I'm going to commit suicide because right. I love you. But it would be something <laughs> be where horrible. she has to sacrifice herself to save someone or protect someone. And she does it knowing that she doesn't belong in this space. But what do you think about Regina's reactions to this? <sighs> yeah. Uh, it's a terrible situation. Yeah, I didn't take it the way I did the first time. She didn't seem like she was making a major turn back to the dark side. Yeah, I don't think she'll go evil because of this. Because it wasn't, she didn't swear to destroy Emma. She said, you're just like your mother. So it stirred up all her old feelings. But she was just like, well, you better hope nothing else bad happened because of what you did. Mm -hmm. Which just was the segue into the next scene. But like I at first, same as Jeremy, I was like, oh my gosh, if she goes back to being the evil queen again, that's so annoying. We need to be done with that. But it didn't. Like she's just so hurt. Again, in the exact same way. Right. So Emma kind of is just like Snow in that way. (laughs) Saving those innocents. (laughs) I think she's got too many people that like care about her and she cares about them to go evil again. Like she's got Henry. She's got, she's just getting back in with Emma and the rest of the family. And like, I don't think that she'll go evil again. Yeah. She's changed so much that I think her response is going to be very different from this. Yes, of course, she's going to be hurt. But I don't think it will be like another love triangle thing with David and Catherine and Snow, that kind of thing. I think Marion will be probably understanding to recognize that, well, Robin, yeah, you thought I was dead. You moved on. She seems somewhat reasonable to protect a secret and sacrifice herself and be willing to die to protect it someone that she doesn't really even know personally, but she just believes uh, should be the rightful ruler. You also have to remember, Marion thinks it's only been a couple days. She didn't have to live through the curse. She didn't have to live through the past year of not knowing. She just showed up. So like everyone else has had like 30 years to deal with this. But wouldn't that make it more painful for her? Because she's going to see that Robin and Regina have started this this relationship. But in her mind... She just saw Robin probably a few days ago before she was arrested by Regina. So, I mean, there's understanding, but how much can you really understand about 30 years of cursed, frozen-in-time, history, world-traveling stuff? That's well, true. I'm pretty much saying that everyone else has had 30 years to deal with Marion being dead. She's only had a couple of days to figure out everything that's going on, so she seems understanding right now. She just might be a little confused as well. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff about what exactly happened that we don't know because robin said that her death was his fault she said my family probably already thinks i'm dead and we don't know what all those um what all the circumstances are one thing that may end up in a roundabout way being something beneficial is that whether they ever would have known or not originally it looks like regina had her killed which is not really a great thing for her relationship with Robin. So now that didn't happen. So whatever else does happen, at least that's not, I mean, I guess not for lack of trying. She was going to have her killed, but at least that's not actually what ended up happening to her now. But remember here also, Regina never knew who it was that she had in her jail cell. 
Well, yeah, I know. So now maybe some of the weight of that is on Regina that she realizes that, wow, I was the one who either killed or was going to kill Marion, depending Mm -hmm. on what Regina's memories are now at this point. Basically, she probably just assumes the prisoners were all killed. She probably didn't supervise that. Right. uh, Like she did with Snows. So she probably assumes, I'm the one who ordered her death. I'm the one who caused this. Mm -hmm. And that's now bearing weight on her relationship with Robin. That's probably going to come out. And it might be an opportunity for her to continue to show how she has changed. So Robin didn't know prior to this that Marion was killed because of Regina? I think so. Yeah, because it sounds like he would have had reason to believe she was dead already. But it it sort of depends. Maybe he knew that Regina's guards took her at the same time. It's kind of hard Mm -hmm. to say. Yeah, they don't televise their uh, executions out there. (laughs) (laughs) You'd you'd think it might have come up in conversation as he was flirting with Regina and making jokes about her being the evil queen, you would think that wouldn't be quite so light and airy if he, (laughs) if he was thinking, yeah, I remember how evil you were. You, you, you dragged my wife away and probably killed her. Um, and remember, want a drink when they, (laughs) remember when they first met too in present day or one year ago, enchanted forest, there wasn't this, you killed my wife, I'm going to kill you. Right. Thing. It was just, oh, you're the evil queen. Mm-hmm. And that sort of relationship of what they understood each other to represent in the past, but not how they'd been affected by each other. Right. True. What's funny is that I didn't realize who she was. I think you asked for final predictions the first time we watched until, like, at the last 10 minutes, you said, all right, who do you think she is? And Jenny said, I think it's Marion. And that sounded reasonable to me. The thing is, um, the actress, Christy Lang, played Marion before. And I was like, oh, well, Well, sorry, I didn't remember. And that was in the episode Lacey. Well, when, yeah. And when we saw in this episode, when we saw her, I thought, wow, that looks a lot like Marion. I wonder who that is. (laughs) (laughs) It must be someone important. (laughs) I'm glad I wasn't the only one who was like totally oblivious to Marion until the very end. I was so focused on just like enjoying the story. I was not analyzing the episode. And then when they recognized each other, I was like, no, that can't be right. <laughs> and I had, I, had not, I had not even thought of who it was. So I'm glad. How about this, though, for an extremely complicated question and potential situation? What if Regina is pregnant? Eh, that's awkward. That. No, <laughs> that would veer so far into soap opera territory. Would it? I agree. It would. The idea that because I think what we're looking at for season four is Robin having to make a choice. Yeah. And if you if you give him the mother of his child and he's choosing between that and the woman that he's now falling in love with, who is now carrying his child. I mean, that's. Straight up 3 p.m. ABC soap opera. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. So let's stay away from pregnancy. Yeah, there's been lots of pregnancy this season. That's true. But when I started thinking about that, because they did have that little moment at the fire in Regina's (laughs) office. Um, It wasn't quite a city council meeting, maybe. Maybe they did have a city council meeting. But what if... 
that. And then think of it from a different perspective, though. <laughs> if she is pregnant, not just how it would affect the thing with Robin and Marion, but how would it affect her and her character to have her own child? That could be kind of cool to see her have her own child. She already has her own child. Well, I mean, give birth to her own. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, mix up there. Sorry. But I do mean give birth to her own child because love is a choice, but there is something just a little bit different about giving birth to your own child. Well, but still, you choose of... to love your children, whether adopted or birthed, at the same level, really. So it's the same kind of love, but there's just a slight different origin, I guess, of that love. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it'd be a very interesting... I mean, the show should have a limited number of seasons. I don't think it'd be that interesting of a story, honestly, personally. Because we've explored her motherhood up one side and down the other at this point. So <laughs> She's a mother! Okay, we get it! That's awesome! <laughs> By the way, I just want to throw this in there. Uh, speaking of mothers and the fact that they always end the season on Mother's Day, one reviewer pointed out that they burned a mother at the stake on Mother's Day. It was a little <laughs> traumatic. In now front of her daughter. That's in front of her daughter. Her. <laughs> By her stepmother. <laughs> and happy Mother's Day, everybody. <laughs> Oh, but that scene was so good. I know. Yeah, it was. Yeah, there's a lot there. But I liked that Regina actually told Robin about having seen him in the tattoo and Tink's prediction and all that stuff. So he understands sort of the weight of the moment. I, I think he's in a sort of impossible situation. Added with a little added impossibility by fairy tale ness. I'm trying to remember, though, when Tink brought up the whole thing and... Regina saw it. Was that before Marion was killed? Yes. Okay. Eh. Yeah. Why would it yes. be before? It, it was before because when Tink took Regina out there, that was when Tink was just freshly married to King Leopold. Who was? <laughs> I mean, Regina. <laughs> yeah. uh, Regina. Oh, there's a ship I don't think anyone's ever thought of. <laughs> Tinkapold. <laughs> Or Link. Uh, (laughs) But um, so, yeah, that happened before Marion. And um, we saw Marion pregnant with Roland in the episode Lacey, which in Lacey, Regina was fully evil queen at that moment. So Robin was always supposed to end up with Regina. So even though Marion did come into the picture and then died slash now lived he's always supposed to end up with Regina. So I think no matter what happens in the end, Robin, Regina will end up together. Yeah, like he even said, it's a matter of timing. What's it going to take to get there? Yeah, because otherwise a lot of things could not have happened that have happened now. I agree with something that Daniel said when we first brought up this topic, which is that somehow the timeline is going to correct itself. And this is sort of a big idea that I think they got from Lost. And there's no spoiler here for Lost, but there is this concept in Lost about course correction and how the universe constantly corrects the course if somebody messes it up. So if you're supposed to die and you somehow prevent it, you're still going to die. There is no change in your destiny. So I think that over the course of season four, we're probably going to see Marion come very close to death on numerous occasions until the universe finally takes its pound of flesh. But I still think it's an impossible situation for Robin. I don't know how 
he lives with the fact that his wife has to die to satisfy the universe and then goes back to Regina. I don't know. (laughs) Which, when we say it that way, is so preposterous. But it could happen. It could. (laughs) I didn't say it couldn't. It's just preposterous. Well, that happens in a lot of shows, though. It's true. Every sci-fi show, I guess you could say, that I see, that's usually what happens. Is if someone's supposed to die and they don't, and somehow, yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say that happened on Charmed a bunch of times. That's exactly and- what I was thinking. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> and since that's been a topic of conversation lately, I just wanted to mention it. <laughs> uh, I really liked watching Hook and Emma's journey in this episode specifically the ball that they attended i loved how mesmerized emma was by the ball even though she was like in one sentence she was being like what's the big deal it's just like a ball and then she like stops dead in her tracks and she's like oh pretty dancing let's do it (laughs) (laughs) so i really liked that part um i loved her I, I thought she was going to go with Princess Diana. I know. That's since, what I thought, too. Since she so went bad. with Prince Charles. It would have been bad, but that's kind of the name you associate with <laughs> right. it. So I like that she went with Leia, but I I love that whole... It, that was kind of like throughout both episodes, but the ball was definitely my highlight. And then I just love her line when Hook's about to rescue her and she rescues herself and she says, sorry, the only one who saves me is me. It was neat to see her shift through so many personalities kind of with this. Like she was the princess and she was the the (laughs) peasant and she was Emma and she was all all of this, even getting her magic back. And she was Marty McFly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She had the best outfits, though, because every personality had a different outfit. But she still got to have her nice, strong red color, which means basically, I'm going to kick butt. <laughs> Is that what it means? That's often <laughs> been how color. they've used it, yeah. Re- Regina was wearing red in this episode also. Yeah, a lot of black, too. Yeah, Black is her color. And if you notice at the ball... Emma's dress, the red dress, she's the only one in that color. Everyone else is yeah. in dull, muted colors. So you can really pick them out like in the dancing scenes if it's from high above or something. Yeah, good job being subtle, Rumple. Yeah. He was the fairy godmother again. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he have a line about subtlety? Not your style, I know. True. Yes. He was a little extra motivated this time, I would think. At least he didn't make her as regal as a potato. Or a sack of potatoes, whatever it was that he did in the episode, <laughs> The Evil Queen. Oh. <laughs> I really loved Emma getting her magic back because it brought everything together. It made, she believed in herself. It just stood for so much more than just them getting home. Did you notice the wand that she was using? The, yeah. The black fairies or the dark fairies wand? Yeah. But then it turned white. Well, that was glowing with right. Emma's magic. Oh, is that the, the point? And we've established that this is different than the one he took from Cinderella's fairy godmother. Yeah. Okay. That one that he took from Cinderella's fairy godmother, we need a name for her, but uh, Gozelda, we'll call her. Um, <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> Isn't she just fairy godmother? Yeah. You yeah, could just her. call her like Sue. Bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. <laughs> Boo. Let's just call her Boo. She is the only one that's been someone's fairy godmother. But it's been established that, that there can be more than one fairy yeah. godmother. And since she was Cinderella's and she's never been given a name, I like to label Cinderella's but, fairy godmother. But her wand is what we've seen the most. It's blue and has some gems on it. And this one was black and has this little 
decoration near the handle, yes. which looks like it came from a craft store, the decoration that's around it a little bit, like some decorative craft wiring. And that's the exact same one that Blue Fairy had that they had to use in uh, near the end of the first half of season three. So when he said, when he said the whole thing about, I forget what he said, but he didn't want to talk about how he got it or he just kind of glossed over it. I thought, thinking of Cinderella's fairy godmother yeah. that he didn't want to talk about oh yeah I blew her up and took the wand so if this is assuming this is a different wand that's still a future story they've hinted at multiple times potentially how he came to possess it she turned it light it seemed like she used light magic with it mm-hmm. well she has light magic she doesn't have evil magic Hunter what do you think this will look like in season four now that Emma has her magic back and she's already been using it more I expect her powers to grow a lot more than just doing production spells. I expect to see a lot more being used since she now has it back. And maybe she goes to like Rumple for lessons like he taught Regina and everyone. I wonder how protected Emma's heart is and what it is protected against going into season four. Hmm, good question. <laughs> I don't know why I would be asking that, but... I don't know either. Hashtag frozen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Hashtag frozen heart. I didn't think about any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I will just let that one go for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this whole episode really full. Uh, I mean, we've been joking about frozen references, but now we have them. But we'll talk about that in a moment. <laughs> but also like back to the future references so much in this episode, not just the direct references to marty mcfly and back to the future and that stuff but the way that this episode worked kitsis and horowitz had said that if they could have written a script for any other movie back to the future would have been one they would have loved to write for and here they did so much of the same stuff like the offspring prevents their parents from meeting that's what happened in back to the future one spoiler by the way (laughs) but marty mcfly prevents his father george from meeting lorraine right Uh, it happens differently then where then lorraine falls thinks she's falling in love with uh marty mcfly no it's calvin klein (laughs) i forgot the underwear (laughs) good grief but in here it's the same thing and a tree is involved someone falls out of the tree same thing as what happened in Back to the Future. There's an apple joke to be made somewhere because snow, white, and apples and falling out of trees, but I'm not <laughs> sure what the joke is. Probably my favorite scene in all of the two hours was the Neil and Emma carousel scene. I became an emotional wreck and my mom just looked at me and goes, are you okay? And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, that scene... I could. I think I have watched it now like 10 or 15 times because it kind of just destroys my insides. And you like that. I do. It's why I watch <laughs> Once Upon a Time, right? To be emotionally <laughs> devastated. Um, <laughs> but I really liked that Emma's definition of home, of what home means to Emma, has always come from Neil. Yeah, I yeah. like that And too. that just hit me like a bunch of rocks and... It's what's going to carry me through the rest of this series is that (laughs) her definition of home has always come from Neil. And she even says that in the vault at the end, Neil was right. And then she gets her magic back. Score one for my team. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, that was my very favorite scene. And I don't think we're ever going to see Neil again. But if that's the way it ended, I'm glad that was his final scene. Yeah, it was a good ending scene for him. I mean, not ending scene, but last time to see him, maybe Mm -hmm. see him ever in the series. Yeah. Since they're not going to need him now that he's dead. That sounds so mean. (laughs) It's so sad. His character seems to get killed off on so many shows. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, I was responding he, to someone's uh, once podcast feedback email, and I mentioned something about uh, Neil. Emma thought Neil was dead three times, basically. Yeah. Three? Well, yeah. Once when he went through the portal. Yes. Once when they thought he was a monkey. Yes. And then now when he actually is dead. Yes. Maybe. So it, it's more like she lost him three times. No, actually, she lost him four, four times. Four times. Mm-hmm. Because there's also way back in Tallahassee. Tallahassee. This feels really mean, and I don't have another way to ask it. Did she spend her life finding him or losing him? I don't think she looked for him. <laughs> she did. She went to Tallahassee for two years. Oh, yeah. right. We but- learned that back in season one, episode four. <laughs> but was she looking for him, or was she just making herself available to be found by him? Mm, hmm. That's too weak woman of her. And that is not Emma Swan. But she was in love. Women in love do things out of character. And she knows how to find people. So if she really wanted to find him, she would have found him. And he's really good at hiding. Yeah. He hid from Rumple for how long? I don't think she wanted to find him because he broke her heart. I think she did. You know, someone else that Emma could have tried to find? Graham. She was in the past. Oh. Graham was alive at that I point. I was so hoping he'd be in this episode. But Graham was, at that point, he was just the huntsman. He wasn't even working for Regina yet. Yes, he was. Yeah, that's right. He was. Here's what I would like to ask the fan base, since you bring this up. Does Graham at this point carry the same weight that he once did? He was in the show for seven episodes. He wasn't really, per se, her true love. She's lost a much truer love. I mean, really, does it? He was hot and he had a really (laughs) awesome accent. So, yes. Yes. Um, I actually heard that they were trying to get him back for the show. They were. But he is filming Fifty Shades of Grey in BC and they could not get him back because of his demanding filming schedule for Fifty Shades of Grey. That's too bad. So, perhaps that was an idea since this was like the biggest reunion show of time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for the last three episodes, they've shown us almost every character we've seen in more than one episode. Like, we even got to see all seven dwarves. Yeah, true, not Ashley. (laughs) And I didn't see Philip, even though I saw Aurora. Yeah, he wasn't there. And neither was Happy. But what if there were only six? (laughs) Right, right. Nobody (laughs) drunk rode a horse and hit one of the dwarves in the past. Actually, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Happy wasn't there. That was the one I missed. Oh, maybe he did get hit by a horse. <laughs> or was a flying monkey at some point and may have been evaporated. And nobody would notice yet. He was one of the last dwarves that was left, though, when they were missing them all. Yeah. I didn't notice any of the dwarves except for Grumpy. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Some of the things that I thought about with this episode are the continuity issues with this. There are certain things where I can see that, yes, they nicely respected the continuity. Like, at first, I thought that... Well, Snow wasn't supposed to know about Daniel's death at this point, and here she is saying that to Regina. But I realized when re-watching it, Snow said, I didn't know by telling your mother about Daniel that she would stop the wedding. There was oh. nothing about killing Daniel. 
So now having that in mind, everything just makes a whole lot of sense now that, yeah, well, duh, Snow would have known that, that, oh no, I told and Cora must have stopped the wedding. And that's how Snow has been thinking all along that she ruined Regina's life is by stopping the wedding. It was only in the episode, An Apple Red as Blood, which mm-hmm. chronologically happens a couple years after this, if not more, that Snow learns that Cora killed Daniel. Did she know that Cora stopped the wedding? Well, think about this. Or did Regina say that he left or that she changed her mind or... Well, in An Apple Red as Blood, Snow had said something about, I thought you told me he left or something like that. Oh. And it's kind of looking back hindsight, you know, you can see that, oh, I told and Cora must have stopped the wedding, even though uh, they were going to get married, Cora must have stopped it in some way. But uh, so that was nicely respecting the continuity of the show. But one of the big problems that I had with this is should Hook have even been in Enchanted Forest at this time in the past? Because remember, he went to Neverland Mm -hmm. until he could figure out a way to kill the Dark One. And then he somehow got back to Enchanted Forest. We don't know exactly when or exactly how. We've assumed that he made some kind of deal with Peter Pan. And that's how he was able to get back to do something for Pan. But then why is he hanging out in bars and taverns instead of going and trying to kill Rumple at this point? Well, that's what Hook does. Well, not... I agree with Daniel. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know if this is a continuity issue or if this is an out-of-character moment, which was happening a bit in this episode. But with Hook, he's supposed to be completely diehard focused on finding a way to kill Rumple, which is why he breaks into Belle's cell and right. demands information. So it doesn't actually make a lot of sense because this is a man who for 300 years has been totally myopic when it comes to what he has to do. He must defend Mila. And for him to be in a bar drinking, flirting with women, going back to the Jolly Roger for a hookup, it doesn't actually fit what we were told about Hook when it comes to what he wanted at that time. And this episode did a lot of dancing around the Mila issue. (laughs) Every time they had a chance to bring Mila up, it got sideswept. And this was one of the the bigger ones. And I agree with Daniel. I don't, it's not a continuity issue so much as out of character, but yeah, I agree. It was weird. Which is funny considering how many other things they did bother to bring up, like Belle's father, who I practically forgot existed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the fact that he forgave Rumple for Sorry. tying him up with duct tape and rope and beating him almost to death. That was, yeah, now that you mentioned it, it was a little bit easily explained. Oh, he forgave you. He forgave you because he knows you're a good man, even though I know you're really not and I love you because of it. <laughs> because if nothing in the past changes, then Hook is going to wake up after being punched <laughs> by Hook. <laughs> And he's going to, we have to accept that the rest of Hook's flashbacks happen. So he still goes out and tries to get information out of Belle. He still meets Regina. He still forms an alliance with Cora. So this feels like this incredibly out of character moment for him, given what they set up so long ago for him. Right, because he learned in Neverland about the dagger. And in The Queen of Hearts, when he went to get Belle to learn about the dagger. He seemed like he had just gotten back 
in some way, or he was in a hurry, kind of like, I have Mm. this information, I need to go get this and take action on it. So now we're supposed to believe there's some kind of gap in there that he came back, played around a little bit, and then decided, yeah, I I think I'll go find that dagger now. So eh, I'm going to say that's a continuity error, not just some extra writing in there, but that's an error. Mm, Interesting. I also have continuity sort of slash time travel issues. So some of it might be with the past of the show, but I was focused a little bit more on just the issues of time travel and things like that. Basically, one thing I had to conclude is that Emma, and and she is, I think, as Rumpel pointed out, an amateur. So it's okay, but she's really bad at time travel. Like in a, (laughs) I can tell you don't watch a lot of sci-fi, even though she was kind of the expert on Back to the Future. But she told Rumple everything. She even let the little line about Bell slip. But that was hilarious. How are you not destroying everything at this point? It was funny, but she didn't know that a forgetting potion was even a possibility. So here she is way contaminating the timeline and Rumple's knowledge set, potentially. Maybe there's a little less danger since he knew a lot of things about the future. But I don't know if she knew that. So I think she did know that. That's what I was just going to say. Just because she, like in the episode Queen of Hearts, which we've already talked about, she knew that Rumple knew how she was, like that she needed the squid ink to get out of the cage, right? We don't talk about squid ink. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's relevant. She she knew that Rumple knew, like she's always thought that Rumple like played her and orchestrated this whole thing. Right. Sure. Like she said that in Queen of Hearts. She said that in Manhattan. She she totally knows that he knows the future and must. I don't know. I think it can also be assumed even if she doesn't know it just because of his actions and his knowledge. True. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was also funny, though, that it seemed like despite the fact that time travel apparently has never been done before. The two characters who haven't had access to a lot of sci-fi seem to know a lot about how it should work. Hook and Rumple both kept saying, no, 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 you can't do this because it works like this and we've got to do this and that, do that. But I was impressed with a few things that they worked in, like how Rumple returned the stolen clothes to make sure that that didn't somehow set off a chain reaction. Ripple. But then at the same time, he let them literally waltz into that ball. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I know. Uh- <laughs> but they were cloaked. I mean, if you think about it, you don't need to have a lot of knowledge to know what happens if you go in ta- back in time and change one little thing. It could lead to a whole bunch of stuff. And I think that just knowing that general knowledge is what kept them going. No, I agree. I just wonder... Would people who hadn't been exposed to sci-fi stories really think in that much detail about what effect it could have? Maybe they would. I don't know, because I've always, I've grown up with sci-fi, so I can't think without it. <laughs> well, you bring up a good point with Rumpel trying to make sure that, you know, the timeline didn't explode, like returning the clothes. But yet, he lets them go through a time portal back to the future with a woman who should never have left. Right. I mean, he even makes a joke about it. He's like, oh, look at that. You got yourself some luggage. I'm like, no, Rumble, you need to stop them. You're making all these, you know, you're focusing on all these tiny details, like putting a glamour spell on them at the ball and returning clothes. They're literally taking another human being to the future. Maybe we stop this. 
Although he didn't think they could do it, did he? Well, but he, when he went down there to the vault, Hook had already gone through. And then mm-hmm. instead of, you know, trying to prevent even Emma from going, he decides to drink the memory potion and let her go. Also, by the way, one of the biggest out of character moments I have ever seen on this show. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. He he focused too much on the tiny, pesky little details and didn't focus <laughs> on the really huge timeline-altering change. Well, that was a moment where I thought, the when we started smacking his lips, I thought he was going to, you know, allude to the fact that the potion was nothing and he fooled Emma. And then everything was going to be different when they got back because of his prior knowledge. But he wants very much to protect the way he sees things unfolding the way and he now had confirmation that his plans were successful and he already knew enough to know that any prior knowledge on his part could ruin everything so i didn't see it as being too much out of character and if the other woman had gone through there's not much a there's not much point in preventing emma from going home in fact keeping her there might actually do more damage to the timeline b If that woman was supposed to die and she is removed from the Enchanted Forest, it doesn't really interrupt anything between that moment and the moment they went to the past. So all of his stuff, all the stuff he really cares about would still happen. He was still going to find his son and all of that. And his son dies. I mean, Emma tells him that, and then this is why I'm calling it this huge out-of-character moment. This is past Rumpelstiltskin. This isn't... Rumpel, who has come a really long way, who sacrificed his life to prevent Peter Pan from hurting those he loved. This is Dark One Rumpel. <laughs> Rumpel, who is going to rip apart worlds to try and find Balefire. Kill his grandson. Yes. And <laughs> I, yeah, when he drank that memory potion, I just went, he would not do this. He would have He would have let Emma go and said, I'll just find a way to prevent Neil from ever dying. And... I don't know. It it just it seemed to be this giant, you know, plot that well, we need to keep Neil dead because we know Michael Raymond James is no longer on the show, so we're going to make it so that Rumpel actually accepts Neil dying and oh by the way, Emma loved him, wanted to save him, but make sure he dies a hero. By the way, I'm going to take this other woman back to the future. No, there was a lot of just plot happening without a lot of logic in that moment. Well, I think he was resorting to some logic there because he could at least think, well, if I know this now, I may mess up and not get to my son. But I do know that if I continue in the direction I was continuing without extra influence, I will find my son. Maybe I can do something that he doesn't die, even though I won't remember it then (laughs) in some way i think it is it's a smart decision which zelina respected him and wanted his brains (laughs) so he's he's not a dumb guy brains she sounded a lot like he's not a dumb guy but he's wholly and completely influenced by the love for his son yeah and that he just so kind of blindly accepts this future oh you're gonna find him but he's going to die just to me, isn't Rumpelstiltskin because he, you know, he could have accepted that Balefire was lost to him forever when he let go of his hand over the portal. And instead it was, I will find a way to be reunited and to have my happy ending with my son. 
because that's what Bay is to him. So no, I, <laughs> I people have been arguing this with me all week, so <laughs> I, I don't agree. Like, I'm not changing my mind. Well, a few other little points I had on the continuity and time travel stuff. Are we? Should we assume that there's an element of fate to this? Things like even Charming Scar happening one way or another. It's like, yeah, you can set them on the right course. They might, maybe they're meant to be together, but it's every last little detail have to happen. They have the same conversations and she hits him the same way and still says woman and all of this stuff. I mean, yeah, thank you for not taking it out of history entirely since we like those moments, but they did change. Well, he does have a scar right there on his face, so they had to explain it <laughs> some way. You can't yeah. just get rid of a scar that's permanently on your face. Well, is it a real scar? No, it's not. The actor doesn't really have a scar there. Yeah, so they could just stop. Oh, I thought I saw it. it in pictures. Okay, oh. never mind. And even that, I mean, they could cover it up. But you're right. If it was too hard, then sure, keep it written in. I'm just. I liked that. <laughs> I liked it too. I just, I, and you know, if they want to say fate, then fine. I just found it interesting that they tried to change a bunch of things, but they didn't really want to mess with the timeline that much after all. Because those were the things that made them fall in love, right? I suppose so. The mannerisms. Those are the the iconic moments from... Yeah. yeah. I know. So they should have changed a different story. (laughs) (laughs) I even like the the title. Like, Snow Falls was where they went. And Snow Drifts. Like, I loved that. That's so Mm -hmm. clever. Okay. Well, I'm just being crotchety then. (laughs) Yes, you Uh, are. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, you know. Then there's Snow trying to kill Regina with the... The dark fairy dust. Like it was one thing. Yes, she possessed it and she intended it. Which, even that, uh, the I think it's fine personally. But some of the stuff that they've established since then, some of the overly sort of dare I say, at the risk of making terrible puns with the show, bleeding heart <laughs> sort of things, where they're like. No, you can't kill even to defend your family. No, you can't kill. Heroes don't kill. And they, and then she gets a dark spot on her heart. Now she shouldn't have used dark magic. That's true. But they, they've made it as though Snow can't ever kill anybody. She should never even try. But here she tried to kill Regina. And we know now that I'm talking about it, I remember that was always yeah. her intent. Apparently it wasn't such a big deal. Anyway, that's a little continuity thing. Well, the, the trolls still ended up being turned into I bugs did, and I love that because yes because if you were looking for these loose ends you might think wait now there are trolls alive what if they kill such and such person or they do this or they end up with a troll army and trolls take over the enchanted forest but nope they they got turned into bugs and one even got squashed just like it was supposed to happen so i guess fate again though you know nobody course corrected that but it still happened so that's, and maybe that points to some of the universe course correction stuff that we were talking about earlier. It also helps with the idea, think how different things could have been if even for a few weeks Regina believed Snow was dead. So the trolls somehow knew that Snow was supposed to be dead, so when they saw her, they were able to go tell Regina, no, Snow's actually alive. The wanted poster, remember? They, when The way it happened is that David had the wanted poster in his bag. Yes. And that fell out during the troll bridge. And it happened here too. And that's how they recognized, oh, you're Snow White. The queen wants you. We're going to turn you into the queen. And so then 
they want a reward for maybe giving information about Snow's whereabouts. Well, but they said this time around, tell the queen Snow still lives. Yeah. So what did she do? Send a messenger to tell the trolls, hey, Snow's dead. Oh, yeah, that's true. So I, I thought that was weird. But at least it accounts for Regina continuing on her vendetta instead of thinking that she won. As far as everything else that could have changed and didn't, how did you guys feel about the explanation at the end of the episode about, oh, Rumple said everything except our little adventure would go back to normal? Well, except everybody's memories, right? Yeah, but then at the same time, he started going, he started talking about, I would have remembered that wench I kissed, and he acted like he didn't. Well, that was the rum. Well, he yeah, he was very drunk, but... Um, Snow and Charming, they remember um, meeting Princess Leia. Now they do, at least. So, and even Rumpel said, those stories happened differently, but everything else went back Mm -hmm. to the way it was. Yeah, I would have been happier with, you know, maybe a few episodes ago. Not even a few episodes ago. I probably wouldn't have been happy. (laughs) I was going to say, if it was a thing like, like, they, you know... It, the same things that happened are what always happened. Like, they always knew this Prince Charles and Princess Leia. And then it's like, you guys, it turns out you guys are them. You know, that might have been cool. But if they had just started bringing that plot line up in the last few episodes, I probably would have disliked that too. Oh, hey, guys. By the way, I was just searching and I found a picture of Josh Dallas, <laughs> not as Prince Charming, and he does have the scar. Oh. Huh. <laughs> and it's so. not anything from Once Upon a Time. It's not a Once Upon a Time website. It's nothing. It was posted two years ago. <laughs> but it's it's him. I can tell it's him. It's like it's a his face and he's all scruffy. So and he's got a scar right on oh. his face. Do they cover it up in the scenes before she hits him in snowfalls and snow drifts? Probably. Well, they do the same thing with Lana Puria's scar. It doesn't look like it's one of those deep scars, so like it probably just a little makeup and you're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I can't find a story on how he got it, but I did see the scar. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably pretty much like that. <laughs> no, I found articles on other scars on stars, like one person got hit in the face with a seatbelt and stuff, but there's nothing <laughs> in <laughs> Oh, gosh. Nothing on him. Sometimes they're public. Like, I know Lana Perez is public. Like, how oh. she got the big scar on her lip is because, like, a dog attacked her when she was holding oh. her kitten or something. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you know what is to us, like, wonderful, cute little kittens in our lives that we just want to <laughs> hug and who give us great joy in our lives? Worst segue ever. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag worst segue ever. <laughs> That was a good segue. Glad I could set that up for you, Daniel. Let me still make it a segue. It's our supporters. (laughs) Thank you so much for donating to this episode of Once Podcast. Steve Johnson, David Newland, and Marianne Lavati, who is a new subscriber uh, for supporting the podcast on a regular basis. Thank you so much for donating to this episode of Once Podcast. We really appreciate the support, especially as we come into the summer months where we won't be producing as many episodes, the ongoing and one-time donations really matter a lot then. But also, we're up to $16.50 per episode on Patreon. Hmm. So big thanks to Steve, David, Marianne, and all of our Patreon backers for your support. If you would like to donate to an episode, either one-time or uh, automatically, monthly, or 
each episode that we release, donation of any amounts for these options, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor, and you can be a contributor to the show to help keep it running. Thank you so much. Another highlight that I had from this episode was Emma finding her home. Me too. Really? Mm-hmm. Somebody sent in feedback to this extent as well, but the whole show has kind of been about Emma's journey. And since this mid-season premiere, Emma's journey has really been on hold. So she had some clearly defining, you know, emotional moments, um, like last year in the finale when she called the mom and dad for the first mm-hmm. time. And um, in Lost Girl, when she kind of opened up to Snow for the first time about her, like about her past. But since then, there hasn't really been a lot. So it was kind of nice to see that come full circle and to have the show kind of be about the savior again, even though there, like there was tons of other stuff in this episode, but a huge part of the whole finale was was that, was Emma finding her home and like realizing that she had already really found it and realizing that she was going to miss it. So I just loved that. I didn't so much see the value in the group home flashback. I <laughs> It was for the hidden Mickey. Come on. I know, hidden <laughs> Mickey. But like the actress that they hired, she was really good. Not anything against the actress, but she was like almost to me the same age that Emma would have been in Tallahassee. Like she mm-hmm. looked like 16 and Emma's supposed to be 17 in Tallahassee. So a, they could have just used Jennifer Morrison or they could have just like used one of the other little kids, like could have been anybody, right? Well, I think it would have looked absolutely ridiculous to have Jennifer Morrison standing there <laughs> waiting to be adopted with all those kids. Well, then they could have just made her a little younger. 18 years ago, <laughs> yeah. she's supposed to then be 11, 12, 13, somewhere around there. And I think that's how old that girl that they got looked. Uh, I, okay, I would have said 14 or 15. Well, so. she was like three feet taller than all the other kids. <laughs> Well, I'm as tall, right? Also, she didn't have glasses. Well, the glasses were kind of a, you know, a Portland of the 90s thing. What were they? Because anytime Jennifer (laughs) Morrison is asked about them, she says that Emma wears contacts now. Oh, well, okay. (laughs) Well, if you notice her outfits, like when they do the flashbacks like that, they're all like the grunge style, Mm -hmm. which is... Glad. Yeah, I wore that in high school. Oops, not 90s. (laughs) No, it was the 90s. Was it? Yeah. Oh. It was like the mid-90s. It started when I started in high school. But if you remember the TV show, um, My So-Called Life, when that came out, (laughs) that whole area. But it was all the glasses. I had dark frames like that, too. Nice. So, By the way, it's it's this discussion about uh, Emma's finding her home that... Uh, it was Katie emailed us saying that she thought that this is what made this episode really tie in well with the rest of the season and the rest of the series. And uh, Katie mentions some specifics, but let me just uh, remind you of some of the things. Like, remember in the beginning of season three, when they were in Neverland, how much Emma was talking about how she was an orphan. Mm-hmm. And uh, in season two, some of that came out. and season one, some of that came out. And so the whole thing of showing the foster home there, basically, is to remind us that this girl has been looking for a home ever since she was born. Mm-hmm. And now... She's finally found it. I also loved that she acknowledged what she's been doing to Snow, like how she's been treating Snow for the last two years or two seasons, because it's always kind of been like heartbreaking to watch her not want to connect and 
not want to love and not want to get close to her mom knowing what she knows. So it's nice. Like she basically said like that when she hugged Snow, it was like she didn't even – Snow like looked back and didn't even know her. And she says, and that's what I've been doing to her since I met her. So I appreciated that just because she has been kind of harsh to Snow in that sense. And she's acknowledging, you know, that that was wrong and – but that it did happen and that she's going to change that now. I knew that look from Snow was going to do something. I liked that Emma also got her magic back when she admitted that Storybrooke and being with her family are her home. No need for magic in New York, as she pointed out. <laughs> I loved – Seeing hook versus hook between seeing the really drunk hook and then the more mature hook and then him getting to punch his old self. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I was laughing so hard during all that. That was great. And it reminded me that, yeah, there was a point where he changed vests. And I don't quite remember when right. that was, but kind of cool that they brought that out. Because at first it's like, why do they have to have Smee? say that but then to realize too well why did they have to have him wear different vests so smee could say that and so it could well they probably there was probably some other point if we look back we'd probably find a point where because of the flashbacks they were doing it would have been confusing a little bit more if he hadn't had some kind of visual difference the red vest is always the past Right. And the past is in the past. The past is in the past. It was just great to see how much he's changed, too. Even though, yes, I know technically it's been a long time, but he he seemed to, like, grow up. He's no longer the drunk pirate that everyone thinks of. Yeah. Yeah. He's more considerate. He's more thoughtful. <laughs> he was afraid of sending Emma off yeah. with his past self. <laughs> Which is nice, like, except for that Emma can totally take care of herself. That's It's nice that he acknowledges that he was not a honorable man back then and that he right. would not want Emma to be victimized by not an honorable man. Right. Well, it's then. nice to have a heads up because he's wearing the same face. <laughs> so like, hey, he's a little different than me. So, But she knew it. him before he was the him he is now. That's true, too. too. She was actually a little more the old him than he was in those scenes if if you if you understand oh yes yeah yeah (laughs) she was coming on stronger than he was (laughs) because she was trying to get him drunk i know and she had to keep him away from the ship so present day hook could talk to snow (laughs) it was just funny and confuse me And of course, get another rat reference. If we can't get a simian <laughs> reference, which we did that get, that was hilarious. A monkey reference, but <laughs> you're not going to want to do that. Um, well, I'm going to bring up a moment that I didn't like, and that has been talked about quite a bit over in the forums this week, which is naming the baby Neil. In the initial reactions, you guys said that I I really wanted this, and no. Oh, I'm sorry, I misrepresented you then. It's okay, but someone came over to the forums and was like, RG, Daniel just said you wanted the baby named Neil. I was like, no. <laughs> I was very upset with that. I was very upset with that. Oh. Like, I see red every single time I think about this. Oh my gosh. It was lo- so logical. It was. No, it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that don't listen to the spoilers, we knew that the baby was going to be named something that was significant and that it was very emotional, emotional, and not expected. 
not expected? Well, that's what Jenny Goodwin said. Oh, they downplay the intelligence of the viewers. I think in some sense, they don't realize how smart all of you guys are in well, figuring out all of this stuff. Smart slash obsessive. She yeah. probably underestimates how much time we might spend thinking about such things. <laughs> Can I just say, I really wish it was Prince Charles and not Prince Neil. Oh, Charles would have been great. That would have been funny if they named him after. Experience. That would have been. I would have. Oh, that would have been so. Remember weird. after that guy who saved us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But Jacqueline, so since I'm sorry for misrepresenting you, but now tell us why. Yeah, you really don't like the way it came out. I think it's horribly awkward <laughs> for Emma and Henry and Rumple that they have named this new baby after the man that fathered Henry. I mean. Emma and Neil's relationship is pretty clear in the fact that Henry is alive. So, I mean, to me, it's just so weird that they took her former lover, former love interest, ex, whatever you want to call him, and gave her baby brother that name. And I know that Adam and Eddie are Star Wars fans, and they fangirl over Luke and Leia and Han Solo, but for the love of everything... You know, Leia and Luke did not have a child together. So I also think it's incredibly disrespectful to Rumple because it's clearly they did not talk to him about this beforehand. They just made the decision, oh, we're going to name this after your child. And now every single time that that child is in the room and gets called, he's going to be reminded of the fact that he lost his child and that Emma has lost an ex and someone that she loved very much and that Henry has lost his father. And... No. And even in an interview, Adam and Eddie said, oh, well, when they go back to Enchanted Forest, if they ever do, you know, he can be Balefire there. And I'm like, no, stop trying to erase a character from this show by giving us a substitute baby. I think it was respectful. And I think even what Rumpel's reaction was showed that he was in some way appreciative of it. Yeah. I think that's kind of what I took from his little subtle reaction. To it. And as well as Emma, just recognizing of, wow, that's really honoring Neil's sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think any of them are going to think, oh, this is a new Neil. That's it, like, it's such an honor to have a baby named after you, right? Like that means that you've had such a fundamental impact on parents' life. I thought it was endearing that they did that and honorable um, and that they're really acknowledging the sacrifice that Neil made for that baby. I do agree on the awkwardness of it because, yeah, Emma has said goodbye to Neil four times, and now her little brother is named Neil. Yeah, I, th- I think people do that, though. They name yeah. babies after people that they want to remember and honor who have gone before. Yeah, but it should have, and I know we're never going to see this in the show because Henry. Once Upon a Time <laughs> will end. Yeah, Once Upon a Time will end before we get to this point. But, you know, that to me is Henry's firstborn son is named Neil. So Snow and Charming knew Neil for a very short amount of time. And I understand that he made a big impact because, you know, in their heads, he died to save them from Zelina. But I don't know. I still think it's incredibly awkward. And it feels like Adam and Eddie doing this placating of the fans by saying, see, we love Neil. We want to honor him. And what they don't realize is that the majority of the fans are not happy with this name choice. And this goes not only for the Neil fans and Swanfire fans, but even a lot of the Captain Swan fans are like, this is incredibly upsetting for Emma, who now has to, 
you know, be reminded of Neil all the time. But then again, Emma was already to the point where she acknowledged that she loved him, but she didn't want to continue a life with him. That's what happened in the beginning of season three. Well, I don't I don't even mean in a sort of shippy, she's going to be reminded of what they could have had since, but in the sense that this her the person she did love, and, you know, she said, I will always love you, is dead. To me, it doesn't sit well. I thought he should have been named Graham or Charming's father name, whatever that We're like be. the family here that's saying, <laughs> Why well, you named your kid that? Why didn't you name him after me? Or why didn't you name him <laughs> See, after I guess I'm the opposite. If they'd named him Graham, I would have been like, how trite. They didn't know him at all. That's just, that's yeah. for the fans. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, like, I would have been upset about that. <laughs> so, Graham, I don't know. <laughs> Graham did save Snow's life. But uh, yeah, like, did they did they Neil, know his name? Do they Neil remember him? Saved yep. that baby Neil's life. Like Neil, that was that's why he's a hero, right? Like he sacrificed himself to identify Zelina so they could save Snow and Charming's baby. So to me, that makes like that's why you name someone after that's why you name a baby after someone, right? If somebody saved your life so that you could have your baby. That that might be when you name your baby after that person. I don't know. Just with the follow up, I just was like, so you named him Neil. Like just like I said, they <laughs> you said it's unexpected and all this stuff, and I'm like thinking Neil the whole time. But then then they said it. I'm like, well, that was expected. That's not an <laughs> unexpected name. Could have been Bob <laughs> or Lancelot. Well, well, watching the episode is when I came up with the Prince Charles. I'm like, oh, that's got to be his name. And that's then, funny. It wasn't. And I'm like, well, Neil was expected. Who? What are they trying to do to us? It would have been funny if they had planned on naming him Neil. And because of what happened and what changed, they ended up naming him Prince Charles. But we never would have known that. If they like went into Granny's and if there had been a conversation before Emma went back in time where like Snow and Charming were like, yeah, we're going to name him Neil. And then when they announce it, they're like, Prince Charles. And then I was like, oops, that's something we changed. <laughs> actually would have been funny. <laughs> At least it wasn't like Hans or Kristoff. Or Leopold. Uh-huh. Or Leopold. Henry again. <laughs> um, I loved seeing Emma living in the Enchanted Forest and in the past because it's something that she didn't have in common with everyone else. Everyone else lived there. They always talk about going back there, and that's their true home type thing. And then getting to see her put on the peasant's clothes and then dressing up and going to the royal ball, it just was a lot of fun to see. Yeah, she got to be a princess. And the specific mention of, we can't ever come this far without getting to play princess for a day. (laughs) (laughs) The savior can't come this far. Well, yeah. Yeah, he did even say that. Yeah, and I wonder if we're going to get to see something like this again. We got to see her dance with her father, but that was just in David's dream, right? not an actual <laughs> real life or flashback or anything, but it was a right. precious moment, really. Until, you know, the doll head started spinning and all that stuff. It really <laughs> was. And maybe we'll get to see that moment again. Like, maybe we'll get to see a Hook Emma wedding, and we'll see Emma dance with her father. <laughs> we'll see her dance with uh, Hook I... again. I don't know if I should admit this, but I, when we started realizing there was a wedding happening at the end of this, I was, I, we had just seen Hook and Emma kissing and I thought, wow, that escalated quickly. Oh, they're not getting married right now. I get it. Okay. And then you were like, Emma would never wear that outfit. 
And <laughs> I had not noticed the outfit yet, but I... That's the first thing I noticed. I was like, what is happening right now? It's not Emma style, but I think it's Belle style. I still, I still Aaron, that's because you're a girl. Girls notice the fashion. They're guys. They're not going to notice the fashion right away. I think that 90% well, of the people who normally listen to this podcast realize that I rarely notice the fashion. She was also about three inches big on the screen at that point. So I hadn't really seen it yet. <laughs> I thought it was perfect for her. She looked adorable. What do you guys think about the Emma and Hook relationship and how it's on a new level now? Uh, I think Emma's price is a ship. You sold your ship for me or you traded your ship for me. Well, come here. We know how Hook feels about that ship. Yeah. Though. Right. I see them next season, him getting it back somehow. Yeah. I don't know how yet, but I see him getting it back. He's going to trade Emma for it. She'll get it back for him. Maybe. <laughs> it will be their honeymoon vehicle that will have the little thing, the cans hanging off the back of the ship as they sail off. And it has a banner on the back that says maybe just married. Gonna, maybe they're going to sail to Wonderland. Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we don't go to Neverland. Mm, nope. Don't like that place. Not going back there. <laughs> it's out of magic anyway. I like that this episode, we got to see her go from like, we, they've always had that sarcastic banter back and forth between the two of them with that sexual tension. And then we got to see her soften up more and more throughout the episode until finally they got together. Jacqueline, how are the fans liking this? <laughs> Depends on who you ask. <laughs> the Captain Swan shippers over at the forum, obviously, very, very happy, very excited. I think most of them have changed their avatars to a picture of, that, of the new kiss. The new um, kiss. <laughs> Of course, that's what it's called. <laughs> so they're very excited. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, anyone who talks to me for about five minutes is going to know that I don't ship Captain Swan. But so I, it's very hard for me to give an honest perspective here because I kind of agree with Jeremy. I don't like the way it was presented with this whole, you gave away your ship for me? I. And then, oh, kisses. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That no. should be like, huh. Okay, I'll hold your hand. Yeah. Like, like we can start talking now about us. I don't know. Well, this, the writers have done this before because remember back in the episode Heart of Darkness when Snow had that potion and she didn't remember Charming and he had to win her back. And at first he kissed her and she was all upset. And then he talked about or then he took the arrow for her and that mm. happened. And she that's when she kissed him. There is a marked difference between almost sacrificing your life for someone and putting your crew on land in order for them to get swept up by a dark curse, taking your ship out of the bounds of the reach of this curse, trading your ship for a plot device bean because, oh my god, how many of these beans are there? And then being all, I'm going to go to New York City, which I still don't know how he knew where she was. <laughs> but, and I mean, and... Please do not send me hate. Um, <laughs> but to me, when he said that, I was like, no. Now, look, I knew Captain Swan was coming. I've known it was going to come for some time. I've kind of been making my peace with it. But the way it that conversation went on the bench kind of just made me head desk over and over. <laughs> because it, it's just, it's not something that's ever going to move me. Sidebar. He sailed beyond the curse's purview. That's yeah. not a thing. That's why Cora <laughs> well, had to put her dome of protection up. But Cora didn't have a magical boat. Actually, she would have. <laughs> Never mind. And she was standing right next to the guy who did. But 
In this spell, it seems to be different. I mean, you saw that Prince Eric stayed behind. Certain people did not get uh, affected by the spell. Yeah, that's true. And And also, this spell may not have affected all the realms, like the or this curse may not have affected all the realms, like the first curse did. But it 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 affected the enchanted forest. Hook's ship is enchanted to move fast. It is not enchanted to actually leave a world. It needs a thing to leave the world. So this is kind of sloppy put together explanation. It's like the curse has Um, been the foundation for the show's plot twice now. It'd be cool if the mechanics were consistent and communicated. You kind of said something very similar to that in the finale of season two, Jeremy. Did I? Like almost to the word, yeah. Oh. You were like, two years later, (laughs) I'd like some curse something mechanics. Nice. Clarification is what you said. Yeah. You said two years later, I would like some curse clarification. I remember the phrase curse clarification. Hashtag. Well, the only thing that I think still sticks out to me was one of my favorite scenes from the first hour, which was the Rumple Bell Emma Hook conversation in the Dark One's castle. It was so snarky and so fun. And I loved <laughs> that Rumple and Bell are obviously smitten with each other but they're like on two different planes of existence when it comes to how to deal with this bell's all like i'm just gonna flirt with you and you're gonna deal with it (laughs) and rumple is i'm gonna turn you into a toad and i mean that in the best possible way (laughs) yes (laughs) and it's just it was nice to see that because then we get to their wedding and i'm like you are lying through your teeth to this poor woman and so it was nice to be reminded that their relationship in the beginning was just this epic beautiful love story that (laughs) i just completely fell in love with and it's the reason why i became obsessed with this show yeah and this happens probably in the middle of skin deep timeline wise because the curtains are open in that hall so is that door i didn't know they did that anymore oh who knew we owned eight thousand salad plates Well, before we talk about the last big thing, I want to thank uh, a few people who left some kind reviews for us in iTunes. Pooja P, your chick statement from Canada, and DL Karen, thank you so much for your kind reviews that you wrote for us in iTunes. The written reviews really help us because they encourage us and they help other people find the podcast too. So if you haven't left a review yet for the podcast, please go over to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes, and we would really appreciate the support. Now, let's talk about Elsa. (laughs) There are some theories uh, from the fans, let me share this, of who Elsa really is. Well, first, uh, one theory came in from Gareth saying that at the end, it's not Elsa, but it is the White Witch from Narnia. Alina, my new theory is Maid Marian is going to be Elsa's sister, Anna and wait, what? Uh, but how does Marion fit into this? Yeah, that Marion is Elsa's sister, Anna. Oh, no, so a, a double name. I'm gonna say no. And <laughs> love you. <laughs> that's N F J J F F J J J F J H F. Okay, that's actually the name that came through. Okay, suggested that Elsa is Queen Ava's sister, Queen Snow White's Ava's mother, sister. Okay. Snow White's mother's sister. Mm. I. Do you have more? Uh, that is it for different identity ideas about Elsa. I 
I might have mentioned this in the initial reaction. I think that we've recently seen someone who sometimes goes by Anna already, who may huh. not look like the Anna in the movie. And this would be in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. But she does kind of look like who we just saw at the end of this episode yeah, a does. little bit. Yeah. So they could be sisters. And I think that, you know, we may see we may see her in in, uh, in Storybrooke at some point. There was an interesting... I'm going to go ahead and get my crackpot theory out of the way. <laughs> because when Emma got put into... It's way crackpot the more I think about it. But Emma got put into <laughs> the dungeon with Marion in this episode. And suddenly she was wearing this blue cloak. Emma was? Yes. When they were in Warehouse 13? No. No. <laughs> when they were actually in the dungeon. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the dun Okay, not the vault. Okay. Not the vault, the okay. dungeon. Yeah. Um made me wonder about some kind of weird time fracturish weirdness wherein Emma somehow gets trapped in the past and gets all these weird powers and gets really mad and she's been in yeah, an and she becomes it's crackpot. It's super crackpot. That that is super Super crackpot. But Sarah agrees with your I think theory. It's just straight that, up Elsa. Yeah, Sarah agrees with your theory that maybe Elsa and Anastasia are potentially related. Cool. That's that's a big theory over at the forums right now too. A lot of people have made that connection. I think that that's a possibility. I don't so much like it. And Anna is Anastasia, and Anna is yeah. Anna. So they're even spelled differently. But they still said it that way, though. Yeah. They said what? I think they said Anna, not Anna, didn't they? Uh, no. It's hard to tell with no, all the British they accents her Anna. running around. Yeah. And Anastasia has one in. And yeah. Anna. Oh, wait, how well, did Will um, say her name? Oh, yeah, because he, he speaks like Cockney British. Yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, there was the ice. There was the little flourish of whatever swirly, twirly gumdrops coming from her ice shooting the ground. She's clearly got a toot on. She has the right costume. She has the right hair. She has the awkward sachet from the end of Let It Go. I think it's pretty clearly supposed to be Elsa. Yeah. Yeah. It's Elsa. And but she can't be a villain. I think that's just silliness. So I don't think that's where it's headed. Well, about her being actually Elsa, we have confirmation, not spoilers, but confirmation. Just clarifying. I mean, besides all of the obvious things that we've seen and how Disney-esque it is, like even the, the frost that comes out of her hands yes. is in patterns like in the Disney movie Frozen. If you haven't bought Frozen yet or seen it, go to oncepodcast.com slash Frozen <laughs> to order it from Amazon. But also... Some of the extra information that we've learned since then is in the ABC Upfront presentation that happened just uh, earlier this week, where they have this presentation to the potential advertisers. They mentioned the CEO or the president of ABC said, it's going to be a lot of fun having Elsa on Once Upon a Time or something about, he said, Elsa in Once Upon a Time. Huh. And combining those two worlds. So he said that, and also Kitsis and Horowitz said in a recent interview on TV line that they fell in love with the character Elsa as soon as they saw Frozen, and they got Disney's and ABC's permission to use Elsa in Once Upon a Time. Well, good. So it's not something that they had planned before. Uh, well, maybe they did have it planned before the movie came out when they saw the trailers. Maybe they thought of it then. 
But it is more of a recent plan. I think it's very recent because in a new interview, just uh, I think yesterday from The Hollywood Reporter, they said that they actually shot two scenes. And the real scene, the one we saw with Elsa, they didn't tell anybody they were going to do except a very few select amount of people that needed to be told. Mm -hmm. And the other scene they shot is something they're going to put into the bank to use later, which is why they won't tell anybody what it is. Oh, that's very strange. We do know from spoilers, I won't go into anything, but that they were interested in using Elsa. That is one of the characters that they had said they would love to bring in. Yeah, I'm spoiler free. And even I knew that because people don't understand that I'm spoiler free. They don't, (laughs) they don't like personally consult me before they post something to their Facebook. Um, it's that's like blowing cigarette smoke in your face it, when you're not a smoker kind of i guess but um, <laughs> it's way less drastic and gross yeah well um, hey that's me i like to exaggerate but yeah i had seen like some posts that were like but it was more hey we're gonna do frozen sometime in the not mm. too distant it wasn't like tomorrow watch tomorrow we're gonna do frozen so I was not expecting that. I agree with a lot of what Jeremy said in the initial reactions, like Frozen is really new. And so that being said, have they all like gone to see Frozen together? And they're like, oh, that's a cool story. And they'll be like singing the songs <laughs> and then they'll be like, oh, wait, it's a fairy tale. Ah, Elsa's here. Like, no, that's so funny. That'd be amazing. Speaking of singing songs, maybe they could make an episode, a musical episode of Once Upon a Time. And I know fans are kind of split on this. I think it could be cool because since they're basing so much of the styles and certain character names even on the Disney versions, Disney's reputation is musical animated fairy tales. And it would be great if they brought that into Once Upon a Time. Maybe they're planning that for like the second to last episode of the whole series or something. But it could be fun, I think, to have one musical episode just to give that homage to Disney and it's not too far out of the park to get one of Disney's classic songwriters, Alan Menken, to do it because in the ABC Upfront presentation, they announced a mid-season show that's going to show uh, probably during the winter hiatus of Once Upon a Time. It's called Gallivant, and it's a mixture of Spamalot and Princess Bride, and it's a musical. So it's set in fairy tale land kind of sort of thing. Okay, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, it, it looks <laughs> pretty crazy and you can find the trailers to it online and we'll also embed one of the trailers over at oncepodcast.com slash 151 but the music is composed by alan menken so he's working on a tv show for a musical and it's every episode is a musical right so they could very easily bring him over to once upon a time to do one episode just one i've never seen a bad musical episode of a tv show i haven't (laughs) seen that many but I have not seen one that I dislike. So I know you've seen it. the Buffy one. Yep. And the Grey's Anatomy one. Oh, dear. And Fringe had a musical episode. Mm, I guess that's true. How I Met Your Mother had a musical. Oh, oh, I haven't seen that one yet. Star Trek had a musical episode. Uh, sort what? of. Well, musical extras. Oh. I just love music. So basically anytime my favorite actors are singing, it's a good time. 
assuming they can sing. One of the other theories about Elsa, about uh, her possibly being a villain, came in from Zoe Romeo. She said, I think it's worth mentioning in the original Frozen storyline, Elsa was supposed to turn into a villain like the Snow Queen before songwriters wrote, Let It Go. They changed the entire plot line to accommodate the complex Elsa we know and love. Elsa was supposed to destroy Arendelle, including Elsa in Once Upon a Time could be a fun way of still creating that plot line. The vase Elsa was trapped in was in a room Rumpel kept things he didn't understand or was afraid of. And I would add to this, he called them unstable, dangerous, and unpredictable. That certainly describes Elsa. Elsa's... Cryokinesis is definitely something Rumpel would want to keep locked up, especially if she has a vendetta against him and cannot be controlled by him. I may have said this before. I find it highly unlikely with what we know of Once Upon a Time and the way they like to treat stories and characters that the story we know from Frozen, they would actually take and make the opposite. It sounds like a very Once Upon a Time story already. Yeah. So the question is, how do they tell it without us feeling like, okay... It's the live action Frozen. Right. I will be very disappointed if they take that, like, because Elsa is such an amazing character in the movie. That's one of the reasons I love the movie. If they take that and twist it in a way that makes her evil, I won't like that at all. Just heads up. Yeah. I'll be very angry because that's, and that song, it, it makes total sense that that song was kind of the turning point of that character because that song is so telling of, it's it's really like an internal battle and she's trying to control what's going on and she can't. It's not that she has any ill motives. It's actually totally out of love. So that could be something Rumpel doesn't understand. And she was very unpredictable. So hopefully they go with that angle. I just hope she doesn't walk that way anymore. I know that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can just say that I was not happy when I saw that. I wasn't either. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the movie. I saw it in the theater multiple times. I owned it. I pre-ordered it. I own it. I I love the movie. But I was just, I feel like they're riding on the success of Frozen because they are, they're pulling her into the show just to keep that going. I think Frozen is huge as it is by itself and everyone's trying to get their little pieces of it. And when I saw that, I'm like, they couldn't have picked another villain. Well, she's not even a, and a yeah. she's not even a villain, right? It's it's kind of, you know, she's misunderstood, but she never once tries to attack people. She actually shuts herself away and wants to be isolated. So, I I'm I'm excited, but I'm also really really nervous that they're going to turn Elsa into this person who has some first off family connection because of course she's related to Rumple. Rumpel of course, and that she's somehow got a vendetta against Rumpel or Regina or Snow, and that she's going to go after them, and that makes me really nervous because that's a disservice to Elsa, and they've said that they are mainly drawing from Frozen right now. Yeah, and the original fairy tale, the Snow Queen, you know, she is much more evil, but that's not how it was presented in Frozen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and remember that. Kitsis and Horowitz will take their own spin on this. They've done that with everything. Remember dwarf eggs? So they're going to <laughs> take Elsa and they even... And stealthy. Yeah, stealthy. So they'll they'll have their own spin on this. And most likely this will be chronologically after Elsa's fairy tale happened with everything in Frozen. So, Or, or it could be in the middle. 
who knows what they can do now that they've opened up this whole thing of time travel. And don't forget that wand is still out there in Storybrooke that Emma could use again, but that's a side point. <laughs> well, now that they brought time travel into the show, they can use it again. Oh, I don't want them to. Yeah, I, I don't think they can. They can't activate that because, again. Yeah. I kind of think it was a one time we need to give Emma character development in the last two episodes sort of deal. So I think Elsa's really just their message to the fans after that whole thing. They're like, the past is in the past. Let it go. <laughs> yeah. They just need Let to make go. us a happy Let snowman. Go. I got my a happy snowman. He likes warm hugs. Oh my gosh. If Olaf isn't in Once Upon a Time, I am flying out to Los Angeles and speaking to Adam and Eddie. You have to include Olaf, please. He is my spirit animal. (laughs) Jacqueline, you need the little, um, the little hula dancing Olaf. There's a hula dancing Olaf? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, right? (laughs) You need this in your car so that when you're driving over those little bumps, you see little Olaf dancing. I gave it to my husband for Christmas, and he put it on his desk. And since I'm at his computer, I get to play with it. So overall, I wasn't real happy when I saw it at first. And then the last few days, I've been thinking, well, okay, so apparently it's happening. It clearly wasn't planned from the beginning of the series because Frozen isn't that old. But... Okay, so it's happening, so let's enjoy it. But then, honestly, watching that closing scene again, <laughs> it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I can only assume that whatever was wrong there isn't probably going to carry over to the actual season four. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't like the fade-out cuts they were doing, or whatever you actually call those, that made it feel like I was watching a movie trailer. And the slight <laughs> sort of stuttering slow motion was very, very strange to me. And and the the stretch she did out the door was like they should have had the door slam right behind her. <laughs> well, now that would have been funny. Oh yeah, the, or her like flip her hand so that it slammed like it did in the movie. I'm just not sure what they're trying to communicate, and yeah, I guess that's the point. I have a however. Keep Ooh. in mind anything that I have said against having frozen in Once Upon a Time is null and void if they get Idina Menzel and or Kristen Bell to come. <laughs> And be on Once Upon a Time. Okay? Just... Or even the wickedly talented Adele Nazim. Adele. Yes. If I remember correctly, she's actually in a Broadway show right now. She is. So I don't know if that would be possible to get her. It's her show, too. So, And I think that means she has to kind of be there nine times a week to perform it. But, you know, stuff happens. They take hiatuses and breaks. Yeah, I could see them maybe making this a hook for season four, but then dealing with this very quickly in the first couple episodes and then moving on to something else in season four. What we know overall is Kitsis and Horowitz have said they know how they want this story to end, Mm -hmm. the whole series to end. So they know in some way from that, we can probably infer that they know how they're going to get there in some general way. But that doesn't mean they're not going to have a lot of stops along the way. Because even with Lost, when they started Lost, they knew how they wanted to end. But there have been multiple points along the way where they changed their mind on major plot point things in certain places where they had to stretch it out, kind of like a long trip to SeaWorld. And other spots where they had to make stuff, (laughs) do stuff that they didn't originally plan, but it was all part of adding and taking us to that final end point and certain stops along the way. So 
I wouldn't be surprised if Elsa is just one of those stops along the way that they'll integrate, but somehow will move us just a little bit closer toward the end game, whatever that is for the series as a whole. But on the one hand, they've got Once Upon a Time, which is decently big. On the other hand, they've got Frozen, which is gigantic. One billion dollars plus. Audiences, many of us are fans of both. We really want to see it handled well, so I just hope that they realize what thin ice they're on. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a good moment to sing the song about the ice, but that's the one that nobody remembers and nobody listens to on the soundtrack. I listen to that song. I like it. Oh. Beware the frozen heart. It was very foretelling of what was going to happen in the entire movie. Well, did you know originally they were supposed to open the movie with a different song? And it was a pageant with all the little kids telling the story of the Snow Queen. (laughs) Oh, wow. I did not know. Yeah, if you get the extended version of the soundtrack, it's on there. Oh, cool. This is the other thing that's going to happen. This is now going to be the Frozen podcast. (laughs) (laughs) If it wasn't already. (laughs) Jeremy, they were probably listening to the pre and post show already. They were like, oh, these guys seem to like Frozen. Let's do that. They'll love us for it. So it's all your fault, Jeremy. Sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. You can pick up your own copy of Frozen by going to oncepodcast.com slash Frozen and purchase other things too there while you're at it and shopping on Amazon (laughs) and that helps support the podcast. And by the way, speaking of Amazon, stuff that we don't yet have on Amazon that you can pre-order is the season three soundtrack is not available. The season three DVDs and Blu-ray are not available yet, but you'll be able to get those eventually once they're available. We'll make the link oncepodcast.com slash season three take you to a page with those season three uh, greats that you can check out and purchase. And your purchase helps support the podcast too, because we get a small commission off of sales that we refer to Amazon. And if you haven't watched Frozen, I highly suggest you do it before season four comes and then you'll know Mm -hmm. what all this stuff is and you too will be singing let it go please connect with us we'd love to hear your feedback and you can continue the conversation that we've had here on these specific points by commenting on the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 151 or start new conversations over in the forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums and send us your feedback and theories about season four about some of the things the directions we might go from what we saw here at the end of season three email that to feedback at oncepodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 you can also go to the website oncepodcast.com and send a voice message through the site on your computer or ios device and Follow us and reach out to us as well on Twitter, Facebook, all of those social networks. And that's a lot of places, but all you need to remember is oncepodcast.com. That links to everything else that we do, all of our other sites and presences and the forums and email and feedback information and all of that. And we'd love to have your theories for upcoming episodes. Since the season is now over, our podcast schedule will be changing that we're not going to be every week like we were before, but we will still do a couple things or a few things uh, during the summertime, maybe some community events, maybe a rewatch. Maybe we'll collaborate with one of the other or a couple of the other Once Upon a Time podcasts and do a rewatch altogether, some roundtables maybe. We've got some cool things coming, maybe some secret surprises as well. Don't miss it. One thing that I'll tease with is Maleficent, the movie, is coming out at the end of May. 
And May 30th. Yeah, we will get a chance to screen it. So we will have an early review for you that uh, we'll publish as quickly as we can. It will probably be the day of the movie uh, due to our embargoes that we have on those reviews. But watch for that at oncepodcast.com. And please follow each of us on Twitter. I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. I'm Hunter. I'm on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and I'm on Twitter at Punk underscore Bunny underscore 87. And we couldn't do this podcast without our great team supporting everything here. Special thanks to Corbin for sorting our feedback, Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Hunter and Jacqueline for providing spoilers, Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Jacob for help with screenshots, Keb for managing our timeline, Aliascape and Aaron J moderating the chat room, Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline for co-hosting this podcast, and big thanks to you for being part of this great community. Find all of our links and information at oncepodcast.com. And until next time, remember, it's all about the tumblers. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our contributors for this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to donate and help keep the podcast running, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor, where you can find options for a one-time donation, an automatic monthly donation, or a per-episode donation through Patreon. That's at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor.